Morning, guys. It's great to see everybody here this morning. It's a great crowd. Uh, welcome to the Hill. I ask you to take your Bibles if you haven't already, and let's open it up to Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 14 through 30. We're going to be looking there in just a moment. Hope that you picked up a life point outline because I surely want you to uh, have that as uh, we're going through uh, the message this morning. And I just want to say that this is. Um, this is going to be part of my last series uh, that I get the privilege of bringing to you as senior pastor here on the Hill. There's going to be four messages that I want to do. This one, and then I'm going to take a break for the rest of the month of January. And Pastor Todd's going to be coming back next Sunday. We're going to be talking about uh, the year of 2023 and what we're going to be looking at doing. So just going to be kind of setting the challenge out in front of everybody uh, as our next lead pastor here on the Hill. So I'm looking forward to hearing him, and I hope that you are as well, and that you will be here uh, to support him and to hear what he's going to be sharing with you and the other pastors that will be preaching the, the rest of the month. Um, the series that I want to do just to kind of close things out for me, I'm entitling Finishing Well, um, and because it's been so important to me to do that. If there's been one prayer that I know that I have prayed, it is as I get closer to what we would call this finish line for this particular part of my journey. It has become more and more intense on my part that I want to finish it and I want to finish it well. Um, I don't want to just make um, the finish line. I want to make it and I want to do it well. Um, because above everything else, I want to hear the Lord someday say those precious words, well done. That's what I want to hear him say. <clears throat> and so I pray that that will be yours. And that's really what my focus is going to be, uh, just to be talking uh, to us uh, as a church family about how we can finish well <clears throat> as, um, as a way of life for us as a church in the decades and the years ahead that God has for us. <clears throat> and so I want to read first of all, and then I want to just share some things with you. So let's just look at Matthew chapter 25, uh, beginning in verse 14. Jesus said, For it will be like a man, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. So talking about what the Lord is giving to us um, as a follower of Christ, he gives us abilities, he gives us responsibilities uh, for the kingdom according to how he has, has gifted us. And so he does that, and then he goes away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, 
reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master said to him, you wicked um, and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I had not sown, gathered where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to him who has the ten talents, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what I want to do this morning, I'm just kind of lay the groundwork for this whole series because this is such a picture uh, of God and you and me who know Christ, who are in relationship with him and what he has given to us uh, before he went away. And he has given this to us for us to use for his kingdom's sake until he returns. And then to talk about uh, what's going to happen when our Lord returns and we receive our rewards or we may receive shame from him for how we did not um, work for the kingdom's sake. And so what I want you to think about this morning, I want you to think about, and that's the title of the series, is about finishing well. As I said, uh, this is really um, what has been on my heart uh, for decades here. I have looked uh, for decades toward what's going to happen next month. I have prayed about that, and I have I've thought so many times, I want to get to that point um, where I'm no longer a senior pastor, having done well, um, having lived for the Lord the way he would want me to and brought honor to his name. And I want you to say, as I get closer to that, um, it gets more and more of a challenge. Um, and, and because it's so important uh, as, you, as you're running that race, there, there are places in that race where it's more difficult to run than it is at other times. And it becomes very important that you stay focused on one thing, and that's the finish line. Um, that's what's really important, is how you cross that finish line. So that's why I entitled the series Finishing Well. Finishing Well is very important for each of you who know the Lord. It's important for the Christian life. There's so many stories that all of us know of believers, pastors, um, deacons, um, teachers of the word, um, people on international level um, who would ran the race and they did so well. And then before they got to the finish line, they blew it. They stumbled. Um, they, did, they sinned. And they did not finish well. When you begin to look at the word of God, there are a number of people who didn't finish well. One of those that I read about, of course, was the man Gideon. And I know you, you know the story of him. We taught it in Sunday school, um, how Gideon was called of the Lord to deliver Israel from uh, the Midianites who were very cruel uh, and difficult people. And so Gideon starts out with 32,000 people. And the Lord says it's too many people. I want you to whittle them down. So it drops down to 10,000. And God says it's still too many people. I will not get the glory. The glory will go to men. And so he whittled the 10,000 down to 300. And it was through the 300 
that Gideon uh, brought honor and glory to the Lord because he was faithful to run the race that God put in him. And so Gideon uh, then came to be asked by Israel to be their ruler, uh, to rule over them. And this is what he said in Judges 8.23. I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Great answer. That's exactly how he should have responded. But it is amazing that a lot of times that's all we think about. It's just what Gideon did with the 300, the victory that he brought. But we don't think about how that Gideon did not cross the finish line well. Gideon took the gold from the plunder that they took from the Midianites, the Bible says, and he made an ephod. Not a good move. Uh, it was, became kind of a type of an idol. And the scripture says that Gideon placed it in, this, in Oprah, which is the town in which he lived. And listen to what happened. Judges 8, 27. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And he used the word prostitute simply meaning that Israel left the God who had made them and blessed them, the one they were married to, and they went to something else. They followed this other God. And it became a snare to Gideon and his family. What happened, Gideon let his fame get in the way of his calling for the Lord. And he allowed the people to take this. He allowed it to happen. And it became a snare to Israel. And so what God is simply saying, what I want to get across to you, if you just hear my heart in this, as children of God, as followers of the Lord, the one thing I pray that you have on your mind day in and day out is that you will finish well. And that as a church, we will have one desire that we will want as a church family to finish well. That the name of Harmony Hill Church, the church on the hill here in Lufkin, will always, always, how often? Always bring honor to the name of Christ. That there will be no shame brought on the name of the Lord because of us. But that people in this town will always see there is a body of believers who is, will always say and have always been faithful to say, Lord, we want to serve you. We want to honor you in all that we do. That it will become our heart that we would be a people who finish well. And here's what I want you to understand. When you're running a race, it really doesn't matter how you start. It really doesn't matter. What matters is how you finish. That's the important thing. And I have for the last five um, for this the last five decades the thing that has been on my heart again and again and again is I've said father please keep me from messing up right at the end God help me keep my eyes on you and I cannot leave with you a better challenge that I would pray for you but that we would be a church here on the hill that for decades to come this church would bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ and that we would be found being the church that is taking risks for the sake of the kingdom, that we will step out and do things that are scary, to do things that seemingly are overwhelming because we know it is the right thing to do. It is what God is calling us to do.
that we will say again and again as a people, we want to finish this race well. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. Paul said, that's all I want to do. He said, I may not be the sharpest pencil in, you know, um, in the box or whatever. He said, I am who I am. And there are others who maybe are better than me, can preach better than me. But he said, at the end of it, what is most important to me is he said, I want to end well. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He said, do you not know, beloved, that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. If there's one thing I can leave with you is that you will carry on what God has started. God gave me the privilege of half a century getting to lead and to minister and to preach to this family of believers. He started us off as a small body with very little land beyond what our building was placed on. And through faith and trusting him, God sovereignly touched people's hearts. He blessed the people here on the hill. And we have expanded to where now we're over 40 acres. God has blessed and prospered us to where this building is paid for. Everything is paid for except this newest building that we have just completed. Can you say amen to that and praise God? Isn't that the truth? And what I want you to understand, this has been his favor. There have been some very challenging times. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. Because I want you to understand, in the decades to come, for us being the church that God wants us to be, we're going to at times see the hand of God miraculously work on us, just like he did under me. God has called this man, Todd Core. He is our new lead pastor. And he's going to be, start speaking with you next Sunday. Looking forward to that. And hear what God's put on his heart, the vision that he's got. And I, I look forward to seeing what God's going to do through him uh, in the decades to come. But what it's going to mean is, as God works through him, we're going to see some, some mighty things take place. If we continue what we started, we'll see God open doors. We'll see him blessed. We'll see him prosperous. And there will also be times that we're going to be saying, God, if you don't move, we don't know what's going to happen. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Because what I want you to understand is, it is woo-hoo and it is great and it is wonderful when God moves and God blesses and we just see stuff pour out of heaven and come on us and everything is great and everything is fine. But when things are hard and when things are difficult and when we don't know what our next step is going to be or where our next answer is going to come from or when it's going to come, that doesn't, listen, look at me, don't look at him me out with his little one, look at me. Focus, kids. When we go through hard times, that does not mean God is not with us. That is part of what it means to chase after the Holy One. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Because that's the message in this passage. And so the title of the message this morning is Nothing Risked, Nothing Rewarded. Because I want you to understand this is the core of who we are. This is how we've gotten to where we are today. Nothing risked, nothing rewarded. If you don't risk, you miss the reward. 
And so if you look in your life point outline, look at point number one. The overlooked issue of the Christian life. And this is what I just want you to understand. So I'm going to kind of lay the groundwork. So just stay with me and listen. Hear me again. It is not starting, it is not starting well in the Christian life that counts. It is finishing well. That's what's important. It is how you finish. And that you always think in terms of the finish line. That God, I want to finish well. That's what it's about. And wanting to finish well helps me to stay focused on where I am right now. Salvation, guys, listen. Salvation isn't just a decision. It isn't we make a decision and then uh, we're baptized, we join the church, and everything is good. Salvation is being called by God, listen, to follow him and to serve him to the end of your earthly days. And being saved is the front end and the start of what God has got for us for as long as we're on this planet. And that's what I realized with regards to Harmony Hill, that God had started me here. And God said, I've got a vision. I've got a plan for you. He put it in my heart early on. I remember the first time that uh, we had the associational meeting here. We're up here on the hill in a small church uh, building. Um, we had like 80 people coming for worship. And I remember I'd been here a couple of years and the associates were here. And one of the pastors came up to me and his church was really growing and booming in town. And he came up to me and, and it's private. And he said, John, he said, I just want you to know, stay faithful. And maybe one of these days, God will let you pastor my church. And he meant that as an encouragement to me. And that's the way I took it. But when he said that, I had this rod go up my back. And I thought, why would I want to come to your church? God's going to do something here. God's going to do a work here on the hill. And that God put that in my heart from the very beginning. And my prayer for you as a child of God is that you would hear God say, I want to do a work in you. I want to do a work through you. That we would be a congregation of men and women who want our lives to count for the Lord. That we're, it's not like we're trying to be better than anybody else. But that we're saying God did it in them. He did it in them. And God can do something in me. God wants to do something in me. And I would simply challenge you to say, Father, here I am. How do you want to live your life through me? Jesus, how do you want to live your life through me? That's the Christian life. Look at the inside of your outline. The test of my Christian life isn't my decision. It is the impact of my life in the decades that follow. What is important about your life is not just what's happened now, but what's going to happen in the decades to come. How is God going to be free to work through you? That's what I look forward to, watching Pastor Todd lead and seeing what God is going to do through you. Our text is a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, the man going on the journey, that's a picture of the Lord Jesus. And he's going away. He's returning to heaven. Uh, think about the second coming, the rapture of the saints. In the earthly story, the master doles out these talents. All right, now listen to me. He's talking about responsibilities that you and I have as his kids. And he gives them to each of his servants, each according to their ability. So when you came into the kingdom, the Holy Spirit supernaturally gave you some abilities to use for the sake of the kingdom. He calls them talents. 
These are not referring to the ability like to play the piano or to sing or to preach. Uh, The talents were units of money, literally, really large units of money. And a talent of money, biblically, was about 6,000 denarii. And the average wage at that time was around 300 denarii a year. And so they're getting five talents, two talents, and one talent. uh, And there's 6,000 denarii in, in a talent. So one talent was about 20 years of a salary. And each servant is given a different amount. They had, to, they had no say in what they got. I didn't have any say in having been given the gift to be a pastor and a shepherd. That was chosen for me. The gifts that you've got, that, that the God has given you, they were sovereignly given. They were given for a purpose. And you are responsible just like I was responsible. You are responsible to steward and to invest what you have received from the Lord Jesus. That's this message. All of us have been given by Christ a call to live for him. Listen, God wants you, he wants our church family to make an impact with our one solitary life for the kingdom until Christ returns. That's what we've been seeking to do for the last 50 years. And that's what, by God's grace, this church is going to continue to do for the years to come. Can you say amen to that? And so in verse 16 through 20, in the first servant statement, what I want you to see, when you hear what this guy says, there's like, there's like this excitement, there's a sense of expectation, and that's important. I want you to see his attitude. And the servant is glad to see his master. He's long for his return. And his master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will make you master over much. Guys, listen, that ought to be the one desire you have. Christ is coming. We don't know when. The master is going to return, and he hasn't told us when he's coming. But when he comes, each of us will give an account for how we have lived our life and how we have done what we did for the kingdom of God. And God won't compare you to me. He won't compare me to Pastor Todd or anybody else. I will stand alone on how I used and was faithful to what God had given me as a pastor teacher to use it for the sake of the kingdom. You and each of us are responsible. We're not in competition with each other. We're responsible for how we use what has been given to us for the kingdom. This thing happened with the second service. But I want us to focus on the third servant. I want you to listen to his tone about the master. He said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and buried your talent. Here is your talent from the ground. Here you have what is yours with no loss but no growth. And his master said to him, You wicked and slothful, lazy servant. You knew I reaped where I have not sown, gathered where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten, for to everyone, listen, who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then verse 30, cast out the worthless servant. Those are huge words. Christ is going to come back 
again, and he's going to bring rewards or he's going to bring sorrow to each of us oh, regarding how faithful we've been to our call, how we have used what God gave us for the kingdom. That's my heart plea. That's my desire. In verse 28 through 30, 30 at the return of, of, of the master, that's the second coming of Christ. And what I want you to notice is the servant was condemned. I mean, there's no other way that you can describe the words. But here's what I want you to see. He was condemned not for what he had done, but for what he hadn't done. What he had not done for the kingdom. Because he was fearful and he was lazy. Here's the insight. Most of us tend to think about wickedness as breaking the commandments when biblically wickedness for the child of God is the failure to invest our time, our talent, and our treasure for the kingdom of God. That is wickedness on our part. That is a sin. This whole message is about getting you. The last thing I want to do before I lay down the mantle or uh, the torch or uh, the, the rod, whatever we're going to call I don't know what I'm going to call it when I give it off to Pastor Todd the last Sunday. But when I just say, okay, you're, you're the lead. I'm not. I'm stepping back. I don't know what I'm going to call that. But the whole deal is each of us have got something to invest for the kingdom. And that's what I, I want to challenge you with. So let's look at number two. There is a call by Jesus Christ to risk. There's a call to risk. Now here's the question. Why didn't this servant, why did this one guy, why did he not invest what he was given? Why did he not do that? Why did he not get anything for the Lord? And let me give you the answer. He didn't because it felt risky. And here's what I want you to understand. My life and my walk with the Lord, everybody whose life counts for the Lord Jesus Christ, when you invest what you have for the kingdom, there will be a lot of times it will feel really risky if you're doing it right. And here's the challenge of each succeeding year of your life till you're called home. Will you obey the assignment God has given you? He's planted you here. He's given you gifts and talents that he wants you to use for the kingdom. Will you every year give your life to Christ until you are called home? Will you obey his assignment? And will you venture to risk for the sake of the kingdom? That you risk in time and talent and treasure for God's kingdom year to year. Because here's the truth in your notes. When you came into the family of God, Jesus Christ had an assignment for you. And his assignment was stay the course, invest your life, invest your time, invest your talent and your resources to advance the kingdom where you live, where you work, and where you play until I return or you go to heaven. When, when you came into the world, when you came into the family, God gave you, just like he gave to these guys, talents. You got some, everybody here got some, and they're all different. But we were given it to use it for the kingdom. John Piper wrote a book called um, Risk is Right. Uh, and in this book, Piper teaches that throughout the Bible, 
believers were called upon to take risks for the kingdom. Let me give you some examples. These are in your, in your notes. Number one is David and Goliath. And this is, what I, this is what I want you to see that maybe you've never seen before. When David um, put aside Saul's armor, right, and he took a sling and five smooth stones, why, why, why did he pick five stones? Well, because there was Goliath, and Goliath had four brothers. And he didn't know what he was going to go up all of them. So he took five stones with him. But he laid aside the armor, and he went out to face this giant. And what I want you to hear, hear me and, and understand is this. There is no time in Scripture that David is told by God, go, and I will be with you, and I will bless and prosper you. I've already given this giant into your hands. It's not there. And what, I'm, what I want you to understand is when David went out to fight the giant, he was taking a risk because there was nothing said by God. There's no indication the Holy Spirit moved him and God said, I'm going to deliver him in your hand. But David said, this guy is dishonoring my God. He has, he has brought a curse on the people of God. Somebody's got to stop his big mouth. And David said, I'll do it. I don't know how this is going to end, but he's going to know there's one guy who loved the Lord God Almighty. And so David goes out to take him on. He risked his life. Now, that's an example of what God is calling on us to do. Number two, in the book of the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, there is Jonathan, who was uh, King Saul's son, and his armor bearer. And the, the amazing story, they take on an entire garrison of Philistine soldiers. But here's what's interesting. How Jonathan invites his armor bearer to join him and to go up against this Philistine group, right? And so listen to what he said. He said, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. And then he says this, perhaps. Wait a minute, what? Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many are by few. So Jonathan said, these guys are defying the Lord God, the God that we love and that we serve. Let's go up and perhaps the Lord will give them into our hands. But Jonathan and his armor bearer went up and they had no assurance from God that they were going to survive. But they said, you know what? This is a worthy cause and we're going to do it for the honor of the Lord. And then you've got number three, you've got Esther. When Queen Esther went before the king, to plead for the lives of her people, Esther put her life at risk. She had absolutely no idea. There's no indication in Scripture that God promised her victory. She had no idea what the outcome of a brazen act like this was going to be. And when she made this bold move, she had no special revelation from God that is given in Scripture. Listen to Esther 4.14. Mordecai sent this to Esther. If you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. His whole thing was, Esther, you sovereignly be put in a position by God. You're the only one who is close enough to the king to intercede for us because we're about to be destroyed as a people. Because the edict's gone out from this other guy that took come and destroy us. You're the only one who could do it. She's like, but he's not called me to come into the, into the throne room. And the law is if nobody is invited and they come in on their own, they can lose their life unless he holds out the scepter to them. She said, I put my life at risk if I do that. So he said, 
Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Yeah, who knows? Maybe yes, maybe no. And then Esther said, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I will do the same. Listen, then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I perish, I perish. Why? Because she didn't know what was going to happen. She simply said, this is, this is what I got to do for the sake of the kingdom. And then lastly, the Apostle Paul. Paul's whole life was a series of risks. This is what Piper said. He said, Paul never knew where the next blow would come from. Every day he risked his life for the cause of God. The roads were not safe. The rivers weren't safe. His own people, the Jews, were not safe. The Gentiles weren't safe. The cities weren't safe. The wilderness wasn't safe. The sea wasn't safe. Even the so-called Christian brothers weren't safe. Safety for Paul was a mirage. It simply didn't exist for him. And then Piper concludes this. He said, the Christian life is a call to risk. You either live with risk or you waste your life for the kingdom. Look at the truth in your outline. We all would like some type of guarantee that every investment by us will yield a return. But God rarely gives his people a guarantee. We're in the midst of trusting God. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. We have just completed and have gotten an occupancy uh, slip, paper, whatever you want to call it, from the city to occupy our new children's building. We're going to start getting ready to do that. That is a $6 million challenge. That makes me break out in a sweat. But the reality is God has called us to reach the next generation here in Lufkin for Christ. And the buildings up here on the hill are old and they can't be refurbished because of the condition that we're in. And we need to get out of them. And besides, they're keeping us from being able to grow. And so what have we done? As pastors and as a people, we've, we've taken another step and another risk. And the greatest thing I could do for you as pastor is to lead you into a challenge. Because that's what the Christian life is about. It's about being willing to accept the challenge. That's what keeps us alive. That's what keeps us going for the cause of Christ, is that we take risks because we become the church that God says, those people want to do something in my name. Those are the people that are going to come back to me and say, Master, you gave us this, and we have made this for you. You gave us, when we started here, 80 people in membership, and now we have over 2,000 that name the name of Christ. And by the hand of God and by your leadership and your blessing, we're going to have more disciples of Christ to give to you and to bring to you when our days on this earth are done. And when Todd Core is an old man, when it's time for him to step aside and it's time for another one to take his place, by the grace of God, this church wants to be and should be the church that will rise up and say, we are looking for the next pastor to lead us for the next 50 years, that we will continue to be the church that God planted here back in 1972 when he called Pastor Green to begin doing the work that God called us to do on this hill. God's got a plan. There is a plan. And God is simply saying, will you accept the challenge? Will you take what I put into your hands and use it for the kingdom and be a church that I can bless? 
Piper said, it is the will of God that we be uncertain about how life on earth will turn out for us and that we take risks for the cause of God. And here's the truth. Risking is dangerous. Not risking is more dangerous. I never know what the economy is going to do. I never, I never know what the ones who, who have the steering wheel on our nation are going to do and how things are going to turn out. We're in a crazy, broken world. And building a building like this is a R-I-S-K. But it is how we honor Christ. Why? Because there are souls to be reached. Would you agree with that? Does that make sense? This is what, this is what gives us a future. What risk might God be calling you to? A new ministry God has put on your heart? A career change? Putting your heart into a mission point our church is supporting? Forgiving somebody, confronting sin in the life of a believer, sharing Christ, reordering your dating life and waiting for God's choice in marriage, which could mean that you'll be single for years. But that's a whole lot better than being married to the wrong person and having to suffer maybe through a divorce or a life of grief because they don't want to be around you because you want to chase after the Lord and you married wrong. Or number eight, obeying God in how you approach business, operating with integrity, obeying God with your finances. Maybe you fear that if you tithe or give above the tithe, you fear the financial consequences. Honestly, that's what being a Christian is about. It is about risking. It's about risking. That's what keeps us alive. And look at the inside. Obedience always involves risk. It always involves risk. And the greatest thing, and this is the last point, the pathway to risking is to trust the goodness of God. Trust his goodness. Pastor Todd is going to be coming back here next Sunday. He's going to be in the pulpit and others the rest of this month. And as your lead pastor elect, he's going to begin laying out for us the challenge that he and the elders believe is God's call for us. And it's going to be a call to invest in the next. Invest in the next, the next generation, the next decades ahead. And that's going to be a call for you. That you will answer and say to him, we want to be obedient to what God wants us to do. D.L. Moody said, if God be your partner, make large plans. Now, when you hear something like that and you look at the building that we have built, building this new children's building for Harmony Hill Baptist Church, for the day and age that we're in, do you call that presumptuous or do you call it ambitious for the kingdom? That is ambitious for the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. That is being ambitious for the kingdom. And it is a risk. It is. But taking the risk is what keeps us alive. Taking the risk keeps us alive. J.D. Greer, past president of the Southern Baptist Convention, said this. He said, Christ died to make the nations worship. The vision for our community and our world should reflect that. And then he said, is the present commitment of your life worthy of the price Christ paid for your soul? What did God call on Rahab to do? He said, I want you to take a risk. 
and I want you to hide the spies. Save my people, and I'll bless you. For David, he said, David, you fought a bear and you fought a lion. Now you're going to fight a man who has killed more men than you can imagine. And I want you to risk it for me. The disciples' challenge from Jesus, I want you to feed 5,000, not counting men and women, with five loaves and two fish. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? God is going to put you in situations in the years to come, just like he did with us here on the hill, where he expects you to risk for the kingdom. That's what it means to be a, a church that God uses.